Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit to open and speak your word to our hearts. That seeing the nature of our hearts, we would offer ourselves to you and find us transformed by your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please be seated. So the other day I was zooming down uh, 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 James Island Road only to be shocked by a new traffic circle. And I don't know about you, but no matter how many traffic circles we put in our town, and I find them very helpful once I know how to use them, no, no matter how often I come across one, I always have to think, how does this work, right? A few years back, I was traveling with my dad in South Africa, and I was driving our rental car and enjoying the novel, if not dangerous, experience of driving on the, uh, the left-hand side of the road, right, from the right-hand side of the car. It was very exciting, no matter how old I was. I mean, I was probably 36, and I thought this was great. And I'm buzzing along when my father kindly says from the other side of the car, there's a traffic circle ahead. Now, it's hard enough to do a traffic circle in America, let alone do this in South Africa from the wrong side of the road. And so a few moments pass, uh, and this time with a little more energy, he says it again <laughs> to make sure I heard him the first time. And then welling up from inside of me comes the teenage boy learning how to drive. I got it. Don't worry. I'm okay. A few more moments go by, and my dad, uh, with a little more urgency, says, you might want to look the other direction. And so when I turned my head slightly to the right and looked into the traffic circle, I saw this giant tractor-trailer truck bearing down through the circle, and I immediately yielded. <laughs> now, see, the thing was, is I was preparing to yield, right? I was just preparing to yield to the wrong direction. And in our scripture reading this morning, we find an example of this truth. That everyone yields to Jesus. God says in the book of Isaiah, To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2, So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee, no matter where it is, and no matter to whom it belongs, will bow before God. Essentially, every person must yield to God. Now, we're in the middle of a sermon series called The Call of God. And we recognize that the call of God has two parts. The first part is God's call to us to follow Him. And the second part of the call is from us for our neighbors to come and see Jesus. And that in order for us to answer his call, we must be willing to yield part of our life. Now, if you're familiar with the start of Jesus's ministry from the Bible, you will see this truth at work throughout it. Here are a couple of examples. After his baptism, Jesus is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by whom? Satan, right? And Satan does his best to make Jesus yield to him, right? 
But he's unwilling to do that. And so in the end, Satan must yield to Jesus and does yield to Jesus in the wilderness. The disciples as well, they yield to Jesus. Think about the fishermen. They were on the boat and Jesus says, come and follow me. And they yield their lives. They put down their nets. They put down their work to follow Jesus, right? And today, today's passage, we find Jesus teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum on the Sabbath. And we can read in verse 22 that the people hearing him, they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Now, in order for us to understand this, it's important to remember that the central place of worship for God's people, the Israelites, was the temple in Jerusalem, right? But because Capernaum, where they were, is 75 miles or so from Jerusalem, the Jewish people would gather in the local synagogue and would be taught routinely by the scribes. And the scribes, they were the legal experts of the day, and their teaching was characterized by endless quotations and endless citations of things other people said. Now, if you are a lawyer or if you've ever read a judicial ruling, you'll know exactly what this teaching is like. See, a judge's ruling usually has copious footnotes, right, and citations and precedents endlessly justifying their opinion. See, precedent is the legal profession's authority. Now, conversely, the scribes, they were known for their knowledge, but not for their authority. And along comes Jesus, and typical of the day of the synagogue ruler would allow for a traveling rabbi or teacher to teach in the synagogue. And the difference with Jesus is this, is that Jesus, he speaks with his own authority. He doesn't cite anybody else. He says, the law says this, but hear what I have to say. I say this. See, he's acting outside of their expectation. Jesus has his own authority. And so the scribes in our passage this morning, in a way, have to yield themselves to the authority of Jesus. Do you see that? Now, second, in our passage this morning, we see that evil spirits yield to Jesus as well. There was a man with an unclean spirit in the synagogue, and the spirit in that guy cries out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So a demon has taken over this man, an evil spirit, and when he senses a threat from Jesus because he does recognize who Jesus is, when he senses a threat from Jesus, he tries to force Jesus to yield to him. You see, we know this because at the time uh, in in that part of the world, to use somebody's full name, to know their full name, was to try to have authority over them, was to attempt to gain control. So when the demon says, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God, he's attempting to make Jesus yield to him. Now you parents out there know what this is like. My mom knows what, knew what this was like. And if you don't have kids, you know what this is like because you were somebody's kid. 
And all those times my mom would go, Trevor Owen Spencer, get over here. What is she trying to do? She's trying to exercise authority over me. And in fact, she did this very often. She'd also do it with the back, uh, with the, the back of my, well, my backside and her hand. Um, but uh, she was exercising authority over me. So using somebody's full name, just like a parent with a child, is the same thing that the demon, the evil spirit is trying to do with Jesus. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But it is a feeble attempt by the Spirit to gain power over Jesus. And Jesus' response is to rebuke the evil spirit, saying, be silent, come out of him. And by Jesus' words, by his authority, by his authoritative word, the Spirit yields to Jesus. And the people, they were amazed. And said there in verse 27, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. See, friends, yielding to Jesus and obedience to Jesus are synonymous. When you obey Jesus, you are yielding to him and his ways, right? You're yielding to his commands and his desires. So even in the short days of Jesus' ministry, we find that Satan yields to Jesus, the scribes yield to Jesus, spirits yield to Jesus, the disciples are yielding to him, and the heart of the matter for us today is this, you too must yield to Jesus. Now, you might think that that seems awfully negative. I tend to as well in my flesh. You mean I'm supposed to yield control of my life, right? My thoughts, my decisions, my paycheck. I have to own up to my past sinfulness, uh, yield that to him so that he can pour grace over it. I have to yield my future to him. And talking with a friend about this, they said, that's not just negative, it's positively un-American, Right? We don't yield to nobody. We laugh, right? But it's true. We're not going to yield to anybody. And what the Bible says, what Jesus shows us, is that we must yield to Him. And it gives us good reasons to do so. Simply put, Jesus is better than everything. Jesus is the best. Now I want to give you some images and metaphors that the Bible gives us of who he is. Jesus is our shepherd. Think about Psalm 23, right? He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. Jesus is our provider. He fills our cup to overflowing. With him, you will not be in want. In John 10, we find safety and salvation in Jesus. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And he goes on in chapter 10 to say this, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. See, friends, yielding to Jesus 
is the means by which you find provision. It's the means by which you find rest. It's the means by which you find safety. And it is the means by which you find and receive a full life. And I'll tell you that by my own experience, and by the experience of every Christian, that everything else falls short of that. These are the things that you truly want and, frankly, you truly need. If you're searching for peace and rest, He provides the still waters and the green pastures for you to find rest. I still find it slightly ironic that when I need peace and rest, I plan an extravagant and busy vacation where I end up experiencing neither. (laughs) You ever done that? What I really needed to do was sleep five hours a day in the afternoon every day. And what did I do? I went to some town and visited all these friends and did all these activities. And I came back more exhausted than when I started. It's ironic. If you have needs, the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, Jesus, he's the perfect provider. He provides an overflowing cup that perfectly satisfies. Friends, worldly appetites... Our worldly appetites are insatiable. It's like sugar. I never want just one treat, right? I want all the treats, right? We open up a package of Stroop waffles from Trader Joe's. There are eight of them there, and there will be eight of them in my stomach in 30 minutes. This is how it works. You know? I have a, a package of Reese's Cups. I'll just, I mean, they might be miniature, but that just makes, makes more work. It's like exercise. <laughs> One right after another. But so it is with our worldly pursuits. And I promise you, one right after another satisfies less and less and less. It's the law of diminishing returns. The first droop waffle is delicious. The last one is just time consumption. If it's pleasure you want, you'll never have enough. If it's possessions, there'll always be something else. If it's experiences, they're always creating new activities. But in the end, they all come up short. And yet Jesus, Jesus, he promises that if you will let him, he will fill your cup. He will fill your desires so abundantly overflowing. He will give you what you need, but you only get it by yielding to Him. You only find the abundant and full life you hope for by yielding to Him. And the question for you this morning is this, are you yielded to Jesus? And if so, are you experiencing the full life He promises you? But I'll let this pass for one second before I continue, if that's all right. Lord, we do pray for whatever the police and these sirens are responding to. We ask that you would, uh, you would bring people to safety and health. You protect those who serve today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question for you this morning is this. Are you yielded to Jesus? And if so, are you experiencing the full life he promises? Let me point out two ways in which you might be unyielded to him. The first and most obvious way is this, 
that you have not yet or you've outright refused to follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life. You cannot experience the abundant and full life he promises without making him Lord of your life, without following after him, without yielding to him. He's the door and you must enter through him. But the second way we find ourselves unyielded is a little more difficult to detect and awfully more, is more detrimental to the Christian life. You have decided to follow Jesus and to trust Jesus, but time and again you're being bumped and bruised because you aren't being obedient to Jesus. What would have happened if I had entered that traffic circle going the wrong direction, right? I would be dodging cars and screaming out loud with my eyes closed, right? This is the same sort of thing that happens when we don't live a life, we don't attempt to live a life, we don't ask God to help us live a life obedient to Him. We're going to run into trouble. What do you do in those moments when you're feeling bumped and bruised? You can either abandon Jesus or you can try to figure out what's going on. Oswald Chambers, you know Oswald Chambers? He's most famous for his devotional, but he's a much broader author. But the devotional, my utmost for his highest. And he writes that the first thing uh, to do is to examine the power that dominates you. And what you, when you do this, you will realize most often the unwelcome fact that you are responsible for your own situation because you have yielded to other things other than Jesus. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6. You are slaves to the one whom you obey. If you yield to selfishness, you will be ruled by that enchanting tyranny. If you yield to your lusts, either physically or in your mind, you will be a slave of that thing. And who can break that dominating power you have yielded to? Only Jesus. He brings deliverance. He breaks strongholds. He offers redemption of those places. And He is the key to abundant life. Uh, There was a 19th century evangelist in England named George Muller, and he had two secrets to his happiness. The first secret is he maintained uh, a good conscience. He did this by being obedient to God day by day. And second, he maintained fellowship with God every day. That is, he read God's word and he prayed. This is what it means to be yielded to our Lord, to be absolutely surrendered to him, to be in a relationship with him through prayer and his word, and to be obedient to him through the way that we live our life. And we are dependent on God to help us in that place. Those are the two sides of the yielded life. On the one side, you yield to Christ to do which, uh, to do that which God wants you to do, to be obedient, and second, to let God do in you what he wants to do. That is, friends, to be available to him, to be open-handed with your life, to be yielded to Jesus, and therefore allow yourself to be transformed. In this, you will find and experience abundant and full life in him. So what does God want you to do this morning? He wants to give you, he wants to give you the abundant full life he promises. 
He wants to fill your cup today, to fill your life, to overflowing with his grace and his mercy, with his forgiveness and his love, with his purpose and his future. And the way you receive these things is you yield to him. And it begins by examining yourself. And this is what I want to encourage you to do today and over the next few days. Ask God, show me what am I yielding to? And when you do, you might realize that the reason he cannot fill your cup is because it's filled with something else. He's got that living water, right? Remember the story at the well? He tells the woman that I've got the living water and you'll never thirst again. He wants to give you that living water. And in order for you to receive it, you have to look at what's in your cup, realizing what is it's not him, and you have to dump it out. You have to yield it to him and then hold it out to him. And he promises he will fill it. Not only will he fill it, but he will fill it to overflowing. That's the way of sanctification in our Christian life. It is what we all have to do. We have to do it often over and over again as we see the things and find the things or sometimes pick up things and try to fill our life again with something else. We have to yield those others, those areas to him and find true abundant life. Let's pray. Jesus, would you shine a light into our hearts and expose those places where we have yielded to something else. Thank you that you promised to give us an overflowing cup, a peaceful pasture, safety in you, sufficient provision, indeed an abundant and full life. Help us, Lord, to yield ourselves to you so that we might be filled and so that we might help fill others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.